the Lats Factor Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode 204 of the Lax Factor podcast. I'm your host, Ted Hoost, and today, as always, we're going to talk about a boatload of lacrosse games. We're going to talk about the Navy and Army game. We are going to talk about Penn State at Rutgers, Boston U at Lehigh, Loyola at Colgate, Brown at Cornell, Princeton at Harvard, but then we're going to dive into Maryland over Hopkins, Syracuse getting dropped by UVA. We'll even go back in time and talk about Thursday's game, North Carolina getting beat up by Notre Dame, Richmond and High Point played their annual game. That outcome was a little bit surprising. So we'll talk about all of those games and more. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like and subscribe. We are approaching 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. So please, if you, even if you're listening audio-wise, hit YouTube up, even if you don't normally watch us or interact with us there. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Help us get over that 10,000 subscriber plateau, and then the rest will be history. And as always, you can go to laxfactor.com, uh, support us there. You can buy t-shirts, swag, all that crap. But I want to get into this because this Navy at Army game, very good lacrosse game. We saw good lacrosse games all weekend long. Army controlled this game for the first three quarters, and I kind of figured as I was watching it play out that Army was going to win the game. But Navy and Lax Twitter's favorite, Xavier Arline, he tied the game up at eights just two minutes and three seconds into the fourth quarter off a sick dodge from X up that left side, sticking a no-look backhand. He then goes on to assist Henry Toker about two and a half minutes later, this time a no-look feed from X to the doorstep of the crease, and that gave Navy their, you know, not their first lead of the game, but a lead with uh, not a whole hell of a lot of time left. Navy would go on to score another goal to take a 10-8 lead, but then Army would go on a run of their own, three goals at that to take the lead back. Brendan Nickturn, he scored his third goal of the game to start the run, a nice speed dodge from the right wing to the inside of the field, stuck it on the run, off stick, beautiful shot. Army would finish that three-goal run and take the lead 11-10 thanks to Danny Kabasi dodging from X up the left side, took an odd bounce into the upper corner, but uh, but a goal nonetheless, and Army took the lead back. And I, yes, I do know it's Kilbasa, uh, but I grew up with a family that for some odd reason called Kilbasa Kabasi, so I can't help myself but call him Danny Kabasi because I just think that sounds funner, funnier. Uh, and then Nick's goal, Nick Cole for Navy, he scored his second goal of the game with 157 left to even things back up at 11s, and that resulted in overtime. Now, we had a couple of OT games that we'll get to talk about coming out of the Patriot on Saturday. This one ended with a Jack Sweeney man-up goal, his only point in the game, assisted by Max Hewitt, and Navy took the W this year in this must-watch rivalry. Navy got much more depth in scoring overall than uh, than Army did. Our line was 2-2. Two and two. Great game. That's kind of his breakout game here since he's played very limited uh, uh, minutes overall this season. Cole was 2-2. Two and two. Dane Swanson was 1-3. Patrick Shalniak, three, and, uh, three goals. And man, that, that Skalniak kid, he's a he's a tall, lanky dude, but that guy, that dude can dodge. He is a slippery dodger as he kind of dodges from out top down the alleys and everything like that. He's a good-looking midfielder. Army's offense, they struggled all day against Navy's defense, but it wasn't an off-the-page kind of defensive effort. They were simply quiet and effective all day long, Navy's defense was. They held Brendan Nickturn to three goals and a helper. Some would say, well, holding the dude to a, a hat-trick and an assist doesn't sound like limiting his output, but the reality is 
is. Nick Turn is ridiculous and holding him to four points in a close game like this, especially a one-goal game, that is a huge accomplishment. Uh, and because he, he had some chances at the end of the game in regulation to win it and missed both of those shots because they were lightly contested. Not heavily contested shots, but a defender was in the region near his hands. He sailed both of those shots. One of them actually had dodged from upright. That it was his signature dodge from X up the right side, shooting while on the run, fading away, whatever. But he loves sticking that corner. And the first, the first took he, shot he took to end regulation missed wide, but it only missed that corner by probably about six inches or so. And then the second one, he sailed over top of the goal. Uh, the biggest stat line overall in this game, and there's going to be a trend developing in this show with this stat line showing up, Wyatt Schupler, All-American keeper, usually solid as a rock. He makes only three saves against 12 goals in this game. He did not have a good day, and Schupler is a kid that's pretty traditionally plays solid week in and week out. His defense didn't help him all that much, but he just wasn't seeing the ball. I'd almost say it's kind of a relief to Army, though, because despite how poorly Schupler played, they, you know, they're still in this game to the end despite kind of not wanting to lose it and losing it. They're still in it all game long, and Schupler played terrible. It is not likely that you will see Schupler play that bad again the rest of the season. Slim, very slim. Pat Ryan, Navy's keeper, he outplayed Schupler by a fairly large margin in this one. If we get into the statistics down here, we see Pat Ryan, he's 50% between the pipes, 11 for 11, and Schupler literally three saves against 15 shots. That is rough. So that's the loss for Albany, Albany or Albany for Army. If Schupler just plays an, a below average game, Army wins this game but he played well below average on the day. Navy did incredible offensively, did a great job getting solid looks against a very tough Army defense, and that ends up being the ball game. If we just wanted to rip through the st stats quick, the losing team, uh, their effort, Brendan Nick turned 3-1, and one, and then you see they just didn't get a lot of depth in terms of quality point production. Uh, Reese Burke, he's always, he's looked good all season. He goes 2-1. and one. Paul Johnson, 2-0. Uh, Jacob Morin, 2-0, and oh, but you know just not getting enough scoring down the roster, and then you end up looking at Navy here. Uh, we've got Nick Cole, 2-2, two and two. Xavier Arline, 2-2, two two. Dane Swanson, 1-3, Patrick Skalniak, that mid that I'm really enjoying watching, 3-0 and oh for Navy. So things look good for Navy. They got you know four points out of three guys and a, a hat trick out of Skalniak, so that, that helps them big time. They also split at the dot. Nate Hammond did a good job uh, at the faceoff dot. So that's it. That's all she wrote, man. It was a it was a hell of a game in this in this rivalry, and uh, it was it was you know I, I root for Army traditionally in this in this game for some reason I don't even know why. Now it's because I love Brendan Nickturn and I think he's an an incredible player. But I it was it was a fun way to see Navy win this game. I like seeing R line doing well. The title of this video is going to be very catchy. Trying to use R line's name to get me some views. Uh, I th I, if you're viewing, you'll already know what the title is, but I think I'm going with something to the effect of R-Line QBs or quarterbacks Navy to victory over Army. It'll be something dope like that, but that's it. Let us ditch this one. Let us get into yet another incredible game, another overtime game. We have Penn State at Rutgers. I fully expected Rutgers was going to wax Penn State, but nope, Penn State gave Rutgers quite the scare on Saturday. Penn State, not very good. Just three wins in the season. Rutgers came into this game 11-2. and two, Very solid resume, but a loss to Penn State to end their regular season. That would sting a little bit, even though they still have the Big Ten tournament uh, following up now. Penn State, they'd like to, they took their largest lead of the game 
12-9 with 7-0-1 left in the third. A Mac Costin goal. Simple dodge from the high wing. Two-man game. Simple pick. Costin gets the edge on his guy, stuck it off the carpet. From there, Rutgers would claw back to within a goal, but Penn State would answer and extend that one-goal lead back to three goals with 10.42 left to play in the game. This time, Mark Sickler from Canyon Birch as the shot clock was winding down. I think there was about three seconds left on the shot clock, but the whistle blew, and the goal was good. But good teams, they find a way to win in the games they're supposed to win, so Rutgers went to work scoring the games Final four goals. Shane Knobloch to Ronan Jacoby made it a two-goal game with 6.37 left. That started the run. Oddly enough, Cameron scored on a quick stick on the crease. Ball crossed the goal line but took a sharp bounce back out of the cage. Uh, but Knobloch ended up with the rebound. He feeds Jacoby, and Jacoby laced one to the upper 90 uh, to start that run. The game-tying goal came with just eight seconds left in the game. Ross Scott unassisted. He worked a shorty down that right alley, dodged, re-dodged, trying, the whole time trying to avoid the pole. He'd come down the right alley, roll back in to try to get a shot off, but that adjacent pole was right there to help. He showed Scott showed incredible field awareness, rolling back away from the help to buy himself that space a little bit more before rolling back into it and then sticking one low, sidearm shot low, wrapping around his defender. It was a beautiful shot, great body control, great field awareness, great, just incredible how he worked that. Game-winning goal, Ross Scott again, this time a dish from Knobloch on man up. Scott was wrapping around GLE, took a took a low angle shot as he was kind of wrapping around GLE, but snuck it past the keeper uh, into the upper 90 for the win. No glaring stat line in this game. Rutgers was 2 of 5 on the extra man, and Penn State went 0 and 4, so that definitely hurt the Nittany Lions a little bit. Face offs, slight edge Rutgers. Rutgers put more shots on Cage, but Jack Fra- uh, Frakian, I always, uh, how do you pronounce that? Frakian, Frakian, whatever. The, the, the dude playing goalie for Penn State, he played well in net for Penn State making 14 saves. I literally watched the game this morning, and I, I heard the name a bunch of times, and I still can't pronounce it right. So he had 14 saves. Colin Kirst, he struggled a little bit, so that played into this outcome. He had eight saves against 14 goals against for Rutgers. That is not a typical day for Kirst. You don't see him play like that very often. And then up next, Big Ten tournament, chance for Rutgers to improve their resume and pick up another another quality win or two uh, within the Big 10 tournament. As we go through here, though, real quick, and we look at scores, you see Canyon, Canyon Birch let everybody um, for Penn State 2-1. and one. Actually, Ethan Long was 2-1 and one as well. And then if we look at Rutgers, Shane Knobloch has been incredible all season. Uh, I think he's a sophomore midfielder, 2-4 and four on the day. Ross Scott with five goals on the day. Mitch Bartolo sticks a hat-trick. So good job overall. And then Jonathan Dugenio, didn't win by a large margin, but slightly won that face-off battle, 17-31 on the day. So Rutgers ends up picking up that win, and it was a hell of a game. Next up, we are hitting up the Patriot League. Now, this was as good of a game as everyone assumed it would be, despite Lehigh's loss last week to Colgate. And then more importantly, dudes are just winning games in some pretty ballsy ways these days. The game-winning goal between these two was something to see, and I would presume it's going to end up being a you know, Sports Center top 10 play. We'll probably get this video flagged for showing you, but let me show it to you nonetheless. With just 12 seconds left in regulation, Matt Milburn was dodging his guy from X and saw uh, Tim Lay free on the crease. His defender ran under a pick on the crease, giving giving Lay a little bit of space. He catches the ball left-handed, turned his back to the cage, and wrapped a backhand around his defender, scoring it 
off the bounce. With that goal, Boston U wins their first ever regular season Patriot League title because everybody else in the Patriot League is 5-2. and two. We'll talk about that later. Big stat line in this game. Connor Calderon got the better of Mikey Sisselberger, winning 13 of 21 of his draws. And it was supposed to be a good battle at the dot. And I wasn't surprised to see Calderon edge Sisselberger, but I was surprised to see Calderon edge Sisselberger by, what was that, you know, five five draws or so. I thought it would be like neck a little bit more neck and neck. It was also a good day for goalies. James Spence, he picks up 14 saves in the loss. He actually played a little bit better than Garber, but Garber's 10 stops were good enough for BU to get the victory. It was a hell of a game overall. Another Patriot League. Oh, actually, hold on. Let's uh, let's hit up some stats real quick. Yeah, we see here Louis Perfetto, one and three. Excellent day for him for Boston U. We come down here, we look at Lehigh, Christian Moulet, four and one on the day. Tommy Schelling picks up five assists and uh, still overall not good enough to get the win for Lehigh. Now we go to the next game. We're going to talk more Patriot League, Loyola and Colgate. Now there's been lots of crazy finishes uh, this weekend overall. But the Patriot League has been almost as fun to watch, especially down the stretch here, as the Ivy, because you just never know what you're going to get out of any of these teams. Last weekend, Colgate spoiled Lehigh's bid to enter their contest against Boston U this weekend, undefeated in league play. So it would have been two undefeated teams in league play going head-to-head. Colgate dropped Lehigh in overtime, and then Lehigh lost this weekend, as we talked about. Uh, by a goal with just five seconds left in regulation. So Lehigh, two brutal losses here back-to-back. This weekend, Colgate's taking on Loyola, and they decide they were going to scare the shit out of the Greyhounds and take them to overtime as well. This one didn't end the same way for Colgate, obviously. This game winner was, once again, a very nice thread-the-needle type feed from Aiden Olmstead down to Evan James on the crease. James was falling down as he fell kind of across the crease and somehow buried it. It was soft hands. Soft hands is all you can say. It was more like he guided the ball into the cage than he actually got a shot off. It wasn't a quick stick. It was it was an odd-looking finish, but man, it got the job done. Thomas Colucci, and actually, hold on. Let me just make sure. Yeah, it was, yeah James, that was another big thing here was that James finished the game with that three-goal run for Loyola to get back to within a goal to tie things up with 39 seconds left and then scores the game winner. James here, I mean, he scores three goals within a, you know, th- two goals within three minutes to tie the game up and then the scores the goal in overtime to win the whole deal for them. So hell of a job by him. Thomas Colucci, he wins 16 to 23 draws. That helped make sure uh, for Colgate side that they were able to kind of hang. You see here, ba- Bailey Savio only went six of 20. And Colucci here is 16 to 23. And then scorers for Colgate, Brian Minicus, he goes three and one. And as we come up here and we look at the scorers for Loyola, Aiden Olmstead, normally 50 50 guy, maybe even a little bit goal heavy. He goes one and four on the day. Evan James scores four goals on the day, including the game winner. Three of those goals came within the final three minutes and five seconds of the game and then into overtime. Uh, Adam Poitras, four goals as well. So a hell of a job here. Um, by Loyola. And then you see Sam Schaefer. You know, he edges out Matt Lacombe just by a little bit. 11 saves against, 10 goals against. He picks up two more saves in Matt Lacombe for Colgate. His team wins the ball game. So a hell of a job by Schaefer as well. Next game, 
the next game, and we're going to continue with this trend of goalies winning games for their teams this weekend. Brown at Cornell. Connor Theriault put Brown on his back and stopped 24 shots against the Big Red, helping propel Brown to their third consecutive win over a ranked opponent. Now uh, now that Syracuse is tanked and they're done, I am now putting, hitching my wagon to Cornell. So I watched this game. I was hoping Cornell was going to do well and win this game because I'm now a Cornell fan through the rest of the season and hopefully into the playoffs for them. But didn't didn't work out here. Now Brown started the season five and one before dropping three straight to Harvard, UMass, and Princeton. Three solid lacrosse teams. But now they're the winners of three straight overranked opponents. They beat number thirteen Penn, they beat number ten Yale, and they beat number eight Cornell. Now in each of those wins, their margins are are spreading here. So Brown's playing better and better. I believe they beat Penn by a goal. I believe they beat Yale by two or three, and now they beat. Princeton by or Cornell by five, proving the Ivy League is just fucking crazy overall. And there's not much else to say about this one. Between Brown's defense making sure time and room shots were tough to come by for Cornell, and then Theriault was there to bail his pals out when needed. Cornell barely had a chance because they started this game down six nothing. I think Cornell missed their first 17 shots, and as Cornell couldn't, you know, either couldn't put a shot on Cage or Theriault, I think over the course of that that 6-0 run, I think he had seven saves. Uh, and, and Cornell missed all 17 of their shots, partly thanks to those saves. It was over. You know, they're down 6-1, and they never were able to claw back into it. They did get a little bit closer. You can see here, they were down 6-zip. They did get it back to 6-4 before Brown answered again, and then they kind of tried to chip back, but, you know, Brown was too much overall. Devin McLean, he cons uh, continued his success with four goals and a helper, while teammate Brian Antonelli put up an identical stat line. Piatelli, lone bright spot for Cornell on offense. He puts up five goals in the loss, and uh, the Ivy League... It's uh, it's totally up in the air here. I'm not even going to prognosticate here because in the end, their RPIs are all so high, they could very well send three, maybe four teams to the tournament. So this isn't a league where it's like whoever wins the league gets in and that's it. The Ivy is going to send multiple teams. I think it's almost guaranteed the Ivy sends three teams, uh, and that just depends on how they'll finish off next weekend and then go into the Ivy League tournament, what everybody does. But it's it's possible thanks to the RPI, even if we don't like it, that the Ivy could send four teams this year. It's pretty bonkers. Another Ivy League contest here, Princeton at Harvard. And once again, the stat line that stands out in this game, and I only watched about 10 minutes of the game overall, it was the goalie battle. Princeton keeper Eric Peters, he's only been below 56% three times this season in each of those games he was below 48% is what the number was 56% is what he's been above beyond that he was 29% in their win over Penn they still won despite him having a rough outing he was 48% in their loss to Yale and he was 37% in their loss to Harvard on Saturday now Princeton doesn't necessarily live and die based on Peter's play, but it's pretty damn close here. Like You look at some of the games this kid has had, and he's just been absolutely incredible for Princeton all year long. All-American season almost for sure. It'd be a travesty if this kid wasn't an All-American this year. Meanwhile, Harvard keeper Kyle Mullen, he made 18 saves. Oh, wait, so more. I, I totally forgot to tell you why Peters was important here. So despite Peters' incredible season so far, he was 37% in that loss. He only made 11 saves against 19 goals against. Not a typical outing at all for him. Meanwhile, Harvard keeper Kyle Mullen, he made 18 saves against just 16 goals against. He won the goalie battle by a lot, and then Mullins picks up the W in this game. Now, the goalie battle in this one, it wasn't close, but let's not count Peters' uh, 
out yet as these guys could potentially meet again in the Ivy League tournament, maybe even in the tournament. And Peters is more than capable of getting revenge in this one. So, I, I you know, once again, like I said with Army and Schupler, it's almost as if, well, Army could say our goalie had the worst game he's going to have all year. And he's probably not going to play that bad again. And we were still in this game. I feel Princeton, like Princeton probably feels similar in that way here. Uh, let's see. Uh, but in the end, Harvard, they played much better. Uh, they a much better game overall offensively. They got higher quality looks. Ma they made an All-American goalies day really, really bad. Credit Austin Madronic. His two goals late in the fourth coming uh, coming just six seconds apart, actually. I, I actually didn't think that was proper when I watched it in the scorebook, but then when I kind of went back and rewatched some of the highlights, I saw it was, in fact, true. So he uh, broke a 15-all tie, gave the Crimson a two-goal lead with just 5.09 left in the fourth quarter. Sam English, he'd get one back just inside four minutes, but then Sam King and uh, uh, Hilson Rath, they'd put, up, uh, they'd put Princeton out of their misery, and they end up winning this game. As we look at what the losing team did from a points perspective, Chris Brown has conti continued to look good. He's 2-3 and three on the day. Alex Slusher, incredible attackman, great finisher. He's 4-0 and oh on the day. The face-off battle. Tyler Sandoval, he did manage to eke out some wins. He was 18-35, and uh, but, you know, this two-man duo here, mostly it was uh, Cucciarello, Stephen might have butchered your name, man. I'm sorry. He's 15 to 28, though, so they did well enough in terms of keeping that face-off battle close that they end up winning this game. As you look at Peter's stats down here, that's just a brutal stat line for him. And uh, that's it. That's all we're going to talk about on that one. We are going to move on. And now I'm out of kind of my prep stuff. So now you guys are kind of looking at the scorebooks with me, and we're going to kind of ramble through here. Maryland, this one wasn't close. You know, you see here, Maryland jumps out to a 4-0 lead, 6-1 lead, 8-1 lead, and then Hopkins would start getting some goals here and there. But the moral of this story, Maryland's up 12-4 to at the half. You know, Hopkins had a decent second quarter, goes 10-zip over the course of the third quarter. They take their foot off the, bra off the, off the gas, don't score anything in the fourth. But 22-7, biggest margin of victory for Maryland over Hopkins all time. They, they're 12-0. In, in the regular season, 5-0 and in the big. I mean, Maryland has just been playing incredible ball all year. Logan Wisnowskis, 5-3, 8 points on the day. Malaver, 1-4. Keegan Kahn, 4-1. Owen Murphy got a bunch of burn against his former team. He's 4-1 on the day. Luke Weirman continued his dominance at the dot, 17-27 of 27 with 9 GBs and yet another goal. So Weirman, I mean, I just, I just like looking at Weirman's stat line. As, oh, that's a pretty sweet picture that they put up there. I like looking at Weirman's stat line because he's been he's been very impressive. We sit here and we look at it. Eight goals, three helpers, and he has won 57% of his draws. Actually, eight goals and four helpers, and he's won 57.7% of his draws. That's just an incredible stat line. He's taken the ball away seven times, you know, 47% shooting. Like, does it, do you get any more efficient? Oh, that's actually over his career, guys. I'm an idiot. He was, he's eight and three on this season, and I don't really how, and he's 66% at the dot. So I'm a moron. Sorry for those listening. You, those watching could see where I made my mistake here. But yeah, seven goals, three helpers on the season, even though I think that's wrong too, because I don't think that includes this. Who knows? Th this, it, it's telling me his season stats are eight and three. Uh, in terms of uh, eight, eight goals, three assists. I'm going to take a sip of water and regroup. All right, so 
that's it. Maryland beat up on them. Let's talk about another game here that I don't really want to talk about. But, you know, Syracuse loses to Virginia 21 to 15. UVA, they jump out to a 6 3 lead. Cuse kept scrapping, man. It was 12 7 at the half, and UVA just too much overall. Cuse didn't give up, though, kept scoring right through, through to the end to make it a little bit more. Uh, reasonable, picking up two goals over the course of the fourth quarter. Tucker Dordovic, he played well overall for, uh, let's look at Virginia's stat line first. Jeff Connor, one of the most underrated, and they said it in the broadcast, Kark did, one of the most underrated players in the country. He has been playing that way for Virginia. The midfielders looked incredible, dodging from all over the field, from X, taking advantage of short stick matchups everywhere he can. Super productive game here. Super, super productive Four goals, three helpers, seven points off just six shots. Only one TO, but he got it back with a forced uh, turnover, caused turnover. Matt Moore, he flipped uh, Connor's stats. He goes three and four on the day. And once again, insanely productive day for Moore. Ten shots, puts up three goals and four helpers. That was great. Connor Schellenberger, two and one. Dixon, three and oh. Shuts, two and one. Only bright spot for Cuse here is. They give up two and two goals and a helper to the last season's number one recruit or this season's number one guy, young guy, and they have the no, the number one recruit coming in next year. And uh, I don't know, man. Not a whole lot to say other than I will give Syracuse credit. They play their balls off. They're just lacking depth. They're banged up. That 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 talent that they have within their depth has hurt. One bright spot too was Buttermore lately. It's a shame that Buttermore wasn't healthy for his entire career for Syracuse because that kid has looked really good their last couple of games. But in the end, not enough. If we look at Cuse's stats, uh, Brendan Curry two and four on the day. Jackson Burtwistle has been a very bright spot for Cuse. He goes for five goals on this day. He replaced uh, Berkman at attack. Played a bunch last week. He's been getting a little bit more time here and there, and he's been burying shots. If we look at Burtwistle, uh, once again, I'm going to go heavy on the Cuse because it's my show and I love Syracuse. Uh, but yeah, we look at what he's done here. Really nothing in terms of the the first handful of games that he played, or first few games that he played in. But the Cornell loss, two goals. Carolina loss, three goals. This Virginia loss, five goals. This kid is going to be really good. So something to look forward to for Syracuse here. A redshirt freshman midfielder, but he's been playing attack and finishing well. And that's it. I don't even want to talk about this anymore. But uh, credit to Syracuse. Their season's over in terms of playoffs. they got to play Notre Dame here next. But they, I, I will give them credit for playing balls to the wall. Also, happy birthday to Brett Kennedy yesterday. The dude, turned he's an old man now. He turned 24, I think they said in the broadcast. A lot of 24, 25-year-old lacrosse players this year, which is odd. Uh, let's go back in time. Let's talk about Carol, uh, Notre Dame beating up on Carolina. You know, that first quarter and the first half, pretty close, but it was that third quarter, five-zip third quarter, where we see Notre Dame go on this run for starting 728 in the second. Jake Taylor scores from Pat Cavanaugh to tie the game up. And then they go on to just score a boatload of goals. What was this run? It was four, nine-goal run for Notre Dame uh, to give them an 11-3 lead. Nick Harris finished that run off for, for Notre Dame. And in the end, I mean, they just beat up on uh, North Carolina over the course of that second half as we kind of look at player stats. Let's get in here. Yeah, Lance Tillman, 2-1. and one. Chris Gray held to 1-2 and two off 10 shots. A hell of a job by that Notre Dame defense. And then Notre Dame... Eric Dobson, 4-0. Pat Cavanaugh, 1-3. Jake Taylor, 3-0. Chris Cavanaugh, 2-1. An incredible job overall 
by the Notre Dame offense, by the Notre Dame defense, more importantly, holding Chris Gray and company down. A big reason why they did that, though, is because Liam Entman played out of his mind. He ends up with 14 saves against just five goals against. Colin Krieg didn't have a terrible day. He was 11 saves versus 12 goals, but uh, Liam Entman kind of robbed Carolina every chance that they had to, to, you know, any chance that they could have had to get back into it. And over that nine-goal stretch, played very well. So Entman, All-American goalkeeper last season, hasn't had as great of a season this year, but proving, hey, I'm still a dangerous motherfucker going for 14 saves in this one against one of the better offenses in the country. Uh, so that happened earlier in the week. So the ACC, we'll, we'll talk this upcoming week here in terms of ACC, what we look like we're going to get for bids, but it doesn't look good for Carolina anymore uh, in terms of the wins they have against the losses that they have. This one was surprising to me, and I only watched about the first quarter, but uh, Richmond and High Point, uh, Richmond ends up picking up a 16-5 win. And once again, the story here was, you know, 9-5 at the half. That's fairly reasonable. But a four-zip four, third quarter and a three-zip fourth quarter gives Richmond a big cushion. And they win this one overall for Richmond. Ryan Lanchberry goes 5-2. and two. Luke Frankeny goes 2-2. Two and two. Dalton Young has looked incredible all season, 3-1. and one. So Richmond's offense, they, they had weapons. They're, they're gelling more and more as the season has wore on. So that has been good. And then key here, Asher Nolting, one goal off four shots. I, I didn't watch the whole game. I mean, that kind of stat line would almost indicate to you that Nolting got hurt or some crap like that because, I mean, that is – that is a fairly weak stat line for Nolting. Where and his goal came second quarter, and then he didn't do really much, really much of anything the rest of the game. So that's the story. Richmond defense they bottle up Asher Nolting. You know, you see the usual suspects here for uh, for High Point just didn't show up. Uh, what was his favorite white boy Maya? Just two shots. You know, didn't really do much at all either. So hell of a job here. And then it was, as we look at the goalie battle. You see uh, uh, Richmond's goalie, Zach Vig. He goes for 19 saves against just five goals against. Parker Green didn't play terrible. 13 saves against 16 goals in the loss. But you see here, uh, Vig, I, I don't. I might have butchered your name, Vic. Is it Zach Vic? It might be. But either way, this kid, 57 minutes, makes 19 saves against a very good high point offense. This is, you know. High points offense was really good when Nolting was a sophomore and he put up like 90 points. Uh, I think this may be the best high point offense I've seen. These guys have gelled, played well all season, despite not having necessarily as much talent. Last year's high point offense was really good as well, but I've enjoyed watching them play this year thus far. All right, let's get off of this one. And we're going to talk about Hobart and LIU. They play a absolute just barn burner here. LIU had a two goal edge at the half. But a 6-1 third quarter, six, uh, Hobart outscored LIU 6-1 over the third quarter, that is. And that ends up giving them a three, you know, get back in it. It ends up giving them a three-goal edge. They exchange goals throughout the fourth, and that is the ball game. It did take, uh, Hobart was up 21-14 to 14 at one point before LIU kind of went on a run to get back to within two goals. And then uh, Chad Bach scores uh, the backbreaker, 137 left in the game from Ryan Archer. As we look at the st yeah, the stats in this one, Richie LaCalandra went off. Three goals, six helpers. Blake Bellin, four and four. Sean Bull, eight goals. So, I mean, you see a very top-heavy scoring attack here out of LIU. 
And it was pretty much the same here, except you'll see a little bit more depth in the scoring for Hobart. But Ryan Archer goes three and six. Derek Madonna, six and two. Anthony Detellis, five and one. Tommy Mott, would Tommy Mott end up with? Two and one. He was a little quiet. Will Mark, though. 13 saves against 22 goals against. It was not a great day for goalies. And then uh, uh, Kevin Holtby goes 11 saves against 19 goals against. But Hobart picks up that win. So that was a pretty high-scoring game. A lot of high-scoring games this weekend. Uh, now we'll get into just kind of quick, quick hitters. Mount St. Mary's, they get dropped by Bryant. I really just wanted to cover this one because I wanted to see what Bryant's scoring looked like. Luke Mc, uh, Logan McGovern, 2-3. and three. Mark O'Rourke, 4-1. and one. Bryant improves to 5-7 and seven on the season. If we look at the goalie battle here, because i got to start paying attention to these guys now. Uh, it hasn't been a very exciting league. Uh, yeah, not, nothing nothing to write home about here. Uh, uh, Caraccioli, uh, Caraccioli. I can never pronounce Bryant's guys' names. Bryant has some of the craziest names in the game. Just like Albany has the craziest team photos, you rip through that Bryant roster, you're going to see some names you cannot pronounce. Uh, so that's that one. Georgetown, they beat up on St. John's badly to improve to 12-1. and one. That was expected. Dylan Watson, 4-1. and one. TJ Haley, 3-2. and two. So that was a hell of a job here. What do we got in cage for them? McElroy got a little bit of time. Uh, uh, Scarfenberger, he goes for seven saves, three goals against. Not much, not much to see there, folks. Drexel and Delaware played a one-goal game. Delaware pulling out, uh, pulling out, pulling out never works, guys. Kids never pull out. Or no, don't count on pulling out. Yeah, that's what we got to say. Delaware improves to eight and five in the sixteen fifteen win. Here we have a uh, Ty Kurtz, eight goals and a helper. JP Ward three and three. Mark Beta one and four. So they played crazy in terms of their goalie battle. Uh, not, not not a great day for goalies. So that's it. What do we do at the faceoff dot here for Delaware? Eh, it was kind of even here. Delaware did get the edge here. Logan Primat, uh, don't under Primat, Primtage. Not sure how to pronounce that. Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. 56% at the dot. Yeah, that's all right. Denver. They beat Providence. You can tell I'm starting to lose interest in talking about some of these games deeper down here. I just wanted to see, once again, what happened here in the scoring. Denver beat up on Providence. That was expected. They improved to 8-5. and five. Silstrop, 3-1. and one. Jack Hanna, 2-1. and one. So, you know, that's not too bad. Simmons, 1-1. One and one. Not the scoring that you would have thought, but they went deep into it with the beatdown uh, fully in effect. Jacksonville waxed Mercer. Once again, I'm only checking this out so I can see what they did scoring. Jacob Greiner, 2-4. and four. Waldbaum, 2-2. Two and two. So that's interesting. Robert Morris beat Air Force by a goal, I see here. And once again, I only wanted to see what guys did. Brandon Dodd goes 5-3 and three on the day. What was the story for the goalies? There you go. Nate Randall, 14 saves, 10 goals against. He wins the goalie battle. They Robert Morris wins the game and proves to 7-5. and five. A little bit down year there for Bobby Moe. Hofstra's been rough all year, but they played well against UMass. 13-9 in favor of UMass. No crazy scores here, uh, but Matt Note for UMass ends up with 15 saves on the day against just nine goals against, and they get the win. And then today's games here, we've got Yale at Albany, or no, Albany at Yale. I, I got to hit up some, Terry Foy and ask him, why have they drawn the line in the sand and reversed course on us and always list the home team first? Um, Albany traveling and playing Yale, Albany, you know, it doesn't matter. Albany's just got to make the, the America East tournament and, uh, and win it and they can get in, uh, despite their terrible record. Yale sitting at seven and three, they, you know, they want to win this game by a convincing margin to keep the RPI up for the Ivy. So that'll be big. And then we got Ohio state, uh, hosting Michigan at the shoe 
And uh, it's going to be Jack Myers and Jackson Reed against Josh Zuwada and Michael Bame. He's played great all season as well. So that'll be an exciting game to watch. I think Ohio State's going to take it by three to five goal margin. But, you know, Michigan has been tough, much improved Michigan team this year, Part, you know, partially thanks to Bame here because, I mean, everyone knew Zawada was going to put up 70-plus points on the season, but the supporting cast was what I was wondering about with Michigan, and they've played well. Now, granted, I say they've played well. Michigan started out 7-0 and and now has lost six straight. You know, so once they started playing a tough schedule, that's what it looks like here for them. But still, it's still an improved team, and they, they've, you know, they're going to feel much better about this season than they did about last season. So that's it. Holy crap. 36 minutes. I got crap to do today, and I still got to cut this up. So I'm going to get the hell out of here. I missed Thursday because we didn't have power. I keep missing the Thursday show. I'm going to try to do the Thursday show this week, uh, but I will be definitely back for a Sunday show next weekend to recap Saturday. We got some tournament stuff going on and crap like that. So that is all. I'm going to shut the hell up here as always. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to share the show. You can go to laxfactor.com or whatnot to get a t-shirt. Support us that way. And uh, that is it. I will talk to you next week. And Hoost is out.